Let's pray, and then we're going to hit the ground running, okay? God, I thank you so much for your universal church, your local church. God, I thank you that you're moving all across the world in spite of what people may or may not be saying. You are moving on, and you are still the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and you are still on the throne no matter what, God. No one outdoes you. And this morning, Lord, there are folks here in the room who are maybe waffling, wondering, you know, what you're doing. And God, I just pray this morning, they did not come to hear my opinion. God, they came to hear from you, Lord. And God, I pray this morning that it will be all about you because you are the main person that we are here to celebrate and to talk about. And God, I pray, Lord, that there's anyone else in the room here this morning that they may not know you. God, I pray this morning, like we saw from the eight who got baptized this morning, I pray that they too will also take that step of faith. And in Jesus' name, we all say, amen. Have you got your Bibles? Once again, we're in John chapter 1, verse 35 through 50. If you don't have your Bibles, we have the words on, on the screen here, and it will hopefully guide you along. Well, one of my good friends, one of our ministry partners, in fact, Garth Leno, sent me this, th- this quote this past week, and I thought it was very just interesting. He says this, Mina, as we approach the Christmas season, my favorite word is thanks. Just the word lifts the spirit. To say thanks is to celebrate a gift, something, anything, animals, ball spots. I don't know about ball spots, by the way. I, I don't, I'm, not in, I'm not in that one. Ball spots, chocolate, Pictionary, his wife. To say thanks is to cross the line from have not to have much, from the excluded to the recruited. Thanks proclaims. I'm not disadvantaged, disabled, victimized, scandalized, forgotten, or ignored. I am blessed. There's something about the word thanks when, when we say it that we give power to whatever we're going through. And when I look at these 12 disciples here, just a little bit of, of, of introductory here, they decide to give up everything to follow someone they knew very little, if anything, about. You see, we have the New Testament. They did not have that. All they had was, was prophecy of what could happen. So they had been waiting for it and, and really longing for this time to come. But they really didn't have a whole lot of information on what it, will, on what it would actually look like. In fact, why don't, you, why, don't you put, why don't you put yourselves in their shoes this morning and imagine someone walking into your office and saying, hey, it's all up. I want you to come and follow me and give up everything, your, your family, your time, your 401k, your salary, and we're going to start on the biggest movement of all time. You and I both would probably say, I don't think so. These guys decide to do that in spite of not knowing very little or anything. Now, now, now you may actually say, well, you know, I've always heard that some of them thought it could, it could be a, a political revolution. They may have thought that, but they were just assuming, though. They had no concrete evidence at all. So here we are in John chapter 1, verse 35. Here we go. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. Let's stop right here. You may ask, who's John? John the Baptist. He is, he is the forerunner of Christ. He has been placed there to get ready for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he is basically, basically there to basically say, hey, man, I've come to get ready for you. It's your time. And that's what happens in verse 36 when he says this. When, when, when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they immediately followed Jesus. That right there is powerful to me. And, I, and I'm thankful, number one, this morning of this, of how God directs our paths. 
God knows how to put the right person in the right place at the right time. Can I get an amen on that one this morning? That we serve a God who knows how to put pieces together where, where you and I are going, man, can it happen? I'll never, I'll never forget this. I was a 21-year-old, just graduated college, was very excited about life and about ministry, still am, in fact. And I'll never forget, I told everybody else, hey, I've been called to go into ministry. And for the most part, everyone, for the most part, said, hey, way to go. And so I was, I was in a family that didn't have any pastors at, at, at all. I'm the first one uh, and probably the only one, uh, who knows. But I'll never, I'll never forget going to my dad, who was not a believer, and saying, hey, um, you're the last one I'm telling this to, and I was very nervous about this. And we we're in our, our, our kitchen table, dining room area. I said, hey, I really feel like God's called me to, to go into ministry. He goes, what does that mean? I go, well, it's really kind of feeling like that God's called me to be a youth pastor. Um, I remember him stopping me and going, wait a minute. We spent four years in college to play with kids? He goes, you've got to be kidding me, Mina. I go, no, I just really kind of feel like I want to, I want to move to New Orleans and go to seminary. He goes, uh, stop right here. He goes, we just paid four years of education for you. Like, really? He goes, well, I just, just got to be honest with you. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. He goes, I just want to go a step further with you on this one. Man, we are not going to support you in whatever next is for you. He goes, we love you, but this is where this stops, though. You're on your own. And I'll never forget God that summer directing people and resources to just confirm to me that he was in control. Let me say see this morning. There may come a time or two where God may be calling you to do something, and you may have to go at it alone, in fact. Let me, just reassure, let me just reaffirm and just reassure you of this. In fact, if you just came just for this, here it is. We serve a God who never leaves us alone. He's always with us. And I'm here to tell you, that when we're done here for the morning and you are in an office where you're the only Christian there, you are not there alone. He has gone before you. Even before you get there tomorrow morning, he's already there, in fact. We can be thankful he directs our paths. And not just directs. Let me go step from this one. He controls our paths, too, if we'll let him. And for some of you here this morning, you're kind of wondering, you know, is God in control? I'm getting a little concerned by a lot of believers who are coming to me with a lot of fear. I'm here to tell you, we serve a God who has called us to fear not. In fact, 365 times in the, in the old and the new combined, he basically tells us we have no reason to fear. In this Christmas season, it goes over and over again, fear not. You go, Amani, you don't understand my, my situation. You know what? I, I don't, but God does. Number two this morning is this, is what I love about our God is I'm thankful that Jesus is not confined to my timeline. I'm, I'm so serious about that. And the disciples, you see in verse 38, tells us this. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Let me stop right here on, on this one. When's the last time that you've asked God, where do you stand on this issue? Where, where are you staying when it comes to what I should or, or maybe should not do? You see, you know what's awesome to me? That Jesus is always asking, what do we want? So it makes him a loving father and an awesome, awesome person to follow, by the way. Because he wants to know, what do you really want? 
Let me ask you a question, though. Are you asking him where are you staying? And where do you stand on this? When you get up in the middle of the night worried about whatever it is, you've got to just be bold. And I'm, just, I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you to do this because I know in a world that we live in, we get very caught up on fear where it can wake us up in the middle of the night. And I, I'm, I'm asking you on this one. As soon as that happens and as soon as fear creeps in on whatever it is, and it is very valid, by, by the way, I'm asking you the first thing that you need to honestly do is hit your knees on the floor. And go, God, I am scared about this. And tell him why, by the way. He already knows anyway. And go, God, I'm asking you on this one. What should I do? Where are you at on this? You see, we've been called as believers to never go at it alone. This is why our, our, our small groups and all other kind of ministry around here, if you're not plugged in, in on one, it's not because we think it's a good thing to actually do. It's a biblical thing to actually do. When we are asking God, where are you staying on something? Man, big things begin to happen. You see, your friends, your relatives, your parents, they're all good people to honestly talk to, but only God can turn and direct and make things happen. And you need to be bold enough to know in confidence that you are the son and the daughter of the living God. Um, I was praying with someone uh, earlier here. In the close of their prayer, they said, and the son of the living God. I remember thinking, wow, man, we can come to him with that confidence and knowing that's his son and daughter of the living God, that he will do what he says he will do because we belong to him. Let's continue on here. Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. I'll never forget meeting my wife. She was in, in, in our, our first service here. And it was during this time of the year. It's probably why I love this time of the year so much. So we were at a, at a singles ministry banquet. I had never gone to any singles ministry events at all. It was my first one, and I met my wife. So that's why, why if you're single, you should try it out. And so I'll never forget going to it. And she was sitting by herself. I remember thinking, this is the one for the week. And so I remember going over, and um, and not knowing it would be the one for the lifetime, in fact, and going over and just kind of talking to her and stuff. It was such a great conversation, I thought, anyway. And I didn't hear from her for, like, months after that. And so right before we got married, she goes, you know, Mina, we remember this story differently. I go, what do you mean? I go, it was a great story. She goes, well, sort of. Um, she goes, you remember it being a good thing. It was not a good thing for me. She goes, to be really honest with you, I didn't even like you at first. Um, I remember just thinking, okay, who is this guest, maybe? i never seen you before. My friends were at another table, so they were motioning me to come over there and sit with them. But I was kind of stuck with you. Um, she goes, I remember thinking, like, how can I get rid of him, like, in a nice Christian way? Um, she goes, so I just kind of sat there, honestly, just out of pity for you. I didn't think you had any other friends there. I think, wow, we remember two different stories. When John is talking about four in the afternoon... He's not just kind of putting this there just for the heck of it. He's really placing it there because he is remembering of when he encountered the living God. And for some of us here in the room this morning, you need to start remembering when you encountered him. When you're kind of wondering, what am I going to do with my career or my family or what's going on? Remember what he has already done. 
And for some of you this morning, it, it may be a good thing for you to go home this afternoon and kind of take about 15, 20 minutes to kind of write down all the times that he has come through in the past. So why would he not do it in the future? If he's come through for you in the past, you know, the future should honestly be, with whatever you're going through, should really be a piece of cake. And for some of you, honestly, start remembering that we serve a God who's always come through. Brittany, um, it's an interesting story. One of our students named Ashley had come to me um, this was when I was a youth pastor, and she'd come to me and said, hey, I really feel like God's calling our youth group to go on mission and to go serve about seven families in the southwest Atlanta area. And we were in the suburbs, you know, very safe, by the way. So when she came to me with this, I said, well, you know what, Ashley? You go home, you pray about it. Um, that's really code for, you know, I pray she doesn't come back to me with this. You go home, you pray about it, and let me know what God tells you, you know? Well, she took me up on my word on that one. Next week, she's back. She goes, hey, I got the seven families, Bonnie. I go, oh, really? She goes, yeah, and I've already reserved the yellow school bus for us to get on to actually go and see these, these families. She goes, we can take about 40 people in our youth group. I think, great. Uh, she goes, yeah, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. I go, yellow cheese school bus in the middle of southwest Atlanta. This should be good, you know? She signed everyone up. We get on the bus. We stop at family number two, Brittany's house. Uh, Brittany comes to the door. I don't know if she remember, we were coming or not, but she goes, hey, I forgot you guys were coming. And, you know, and we go, well, hey, here's, here's your, your Thanksgiving, you know, box. And we just want to just pray for you about something. And usually people say all kind of generic stuff. And so I'm thinking this is going to be pretty easy, in and out, on the bus, we're on to our third house. Brittany looks at our group of about 10 to 15 students, and she says, hey, um, I'm thinking about having an abortion. And I remember just kind of being stunned at that moment, at that time. And I remember one of our middle schoolers going, what's an abortion? And I'm thinking, great, this is wonderful, you know, great. We got a lot of explaining to do on the bus, you know. I looked at her, and I said, well, you know, Brittany, I, I, we, we don't serve a, a God who wants to condemn, but I do want to tell you this, though. And he has called us to give life. And she says, really? I go, I go yeah, I, I believe that he wants you to give life. And so we pray, and um, I get back on the bus, and I'm thinking, you know, we're probably done with this one. Well, my wife worked at Grady Hospital at the time, and so she gets on the elevator on that Tuesday, and Brittany is on the elevator with her. Tiffany gets off with her and says, hey, you don't remember me? She goes, I do remember you. I remember you coming to my house, you know, this past Sunday. She goes, I'm really honestly here because you guys came. Tiffany just, you know, right there says, well, hey, we are, we are praying for you either way on this one. And so months go by. My secretary comes to my office at the church at that time. She goes, hey, I got a, a thank you card from someone. And so I open it up, and it's from Brittany. And so she says, hey, give me a call if you have a chance. She leaves her phone number there. I said, I'm going to get home to call this one. I get home immediately. I go, tell me, we need to call her. So I call her. I hear a baby in the background. Um, and so Tiffany's on the, on the other side going, ask her about the baby. And so I go, hey, you know, I, we just want to know, not judging or anything, what, where'd you land on, on that? She goes, do you not hear her in the background? <laughs> Let me just tell you what. Yeah. The power 
of one can make a huge change and a huge impact. I believe that little baby girl is here this morning because one other girl had the courage to say, hey, we need to go serve our community. And I believe that all the dominoes fell into place for that to honestly line up. There's some of you here this morning at a church this size. I just want to just make a huge challenge on this one. There are about 4,000 of us out of all three services. In a church this size, God has called for us to serve our community, our, our, our country, and our world, folks. You go, well, I don't know if I want to go across, you know, across the seas. I'm, I'm kind of afraid of that. Let me just say, honestly, with, with, with God, there's no fear, by the way. But okay, what about here locally? You go, not, you know, do we really have those kind of needs here in our backyard? Yeah, yes, we do. I'm here every week, by, by the way. That's a, that's a big start. But I, I'd honestly say this. Before you go serve anywhere else around the world, it's to start here at home first. And so you may go, Mana, you know, where should I start? Here every week, maybe? You go, maybe Hope for Christmas is another, another great place to start at. The lights that we're doing here for the next three weeks. I'm December the 12th, by the way, and I need more volunteers. That's a side note. Um, maybe it's somewhere around our country. I got to tell you this. In January alone, we got 40 spots, 15 to Huntsville, Alabama, 25 to, 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 to New Orleans, that we need people to actually go and serve. I'm here to tell you, if you're a believer in Christ, he has called you to serve. As someone recently said, well, I'm a, I'm a new Christian. You know what, honestly, the minute that you and I became, became born-again believers, became saved, he filled us up with his Holy Spirit to go and do big and great and gigantic things. You go, my, that's kind of like for you and for Brian and for others. Let me here tell you, the same Holy Spirit that's in me and in Brian and the rest of our pastoral staff is in you too. You want to really? The same one. And he is asking you to go do things for him that he knows that you can pull off. When God saved us, he placed us on mission. Period. And he's called you to go change a life. You never know where God may land you. The disciples ask another bold question in verse 38. They go, what do you want? Jesus asked them, what do you want? And they go, where are you staying? You see, when you and I talk to God, number three, I'm thankful that Jesus communicates with us. See, here's the deal. When you and I talk to him, we're not just talking to a friend. We're not just talking to any old body. I think parents, one of the greatest lessons that you and I can give our children, by the way, is for them to see us praying to a holy, alive God, by the way. Um, I've been in a lot of different countries, and it's been really interesting Go around the world, kind of seeing how they how they believe in different gods and, and religions, and I've always kind of knew this, but I came back home just fired up about this. We are the only ones as Christians that serve a God that is alive. He's alive, and he's just not sitting by, just kind of wondering what's going on, kind of just observing. No, he he wants to move on your behalf. But when we ask him, when he asks us, "What do you want?" He wants us to answer then right behind that, we need to ask him, where are you staying? Where do you stand on this, Jesus? I think, you know, one of the things that you don't want to challenge as parents, if you're struggling in areas of, of family, family life, one of the greatest things that you can do once again is to gather your kids around you to pray along beside you. 
You know what? I can remember growing up around the Florida, not having much, but having a very godly mother. And I, I just knew that when she and I, and we would sit down to actually pray, I knew that God was going to move. Even as a teenager, we serve a God who is alive, folks. And he wants to hear from you. Um, this is a very awkward picture we're going to put on the screen here. And um, it's really just for a, a, a great reason here. Uh, we were living in a certain part of the country um, back December 14th, 2014. And I'd come to Atlanta for a different event here. And I have a big, I'm a big fan of Andy Stanley, like huge fan, in fact. And so when I saw him, we went to his church. He was coming outside the door. I became an immediate stalker, in fact. I was like, I'm dead on on this one. And I can just remember, I think we got the picture here, somewhere here. I can remember, like, yeah, it's very awkward. Um, the whole day was that kind of awkward, <laughs> the 10 minutes we were together, anyway. And I can remember getting in my car and going, God, man, if you could call us to a church that was like, that's like North Point, man, that would be awesome. Then right behind that, these words, I remember saying these words, can you really do that? I remember getting home telling Tiffany, going, I mean, Andy, what a great day. I, I mean, wouldn't it be great to be a part of a church that loves anybody, anyone can, can come to, that we would be okay inviting our friends to, in fact. And then telling, saying to her, do you think he could really do that? Let me say to you, there, there's power in our words, folks. And when we talk to a very alive God, we need to come confidently knowing that he can do it. In fact, let me go step further this one. If you go, well, you know, mine, it's kind of impossible right now for me. That's where he starts, at the impossible line. In fact, if you can do it, don't even pray it. It's very insulting. But if you're wondering, can, can God really do this? You need to pray that prayer. I remember us praying that for several months, and we're here this morning, I think, because of it. That we, that we believed it. He is who he says he is, folks. And when he asks, what do you want? He's not just like saying words. He wants that to leap off of the Bible in front of you. And he wants you to take him up on his offer. What do you want? And then you and I need to ask, where are you staying? <clears throat> Number four this morning is this. I'm thankful that Jesus pushes us to step outside of our comfort zone. Verses 48, 43 through 48, and then I'm done for the morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tells us this. It's a very powerful passage here. <clears throat> the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the, was, was, sorry, from the town of Bethesda. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there, Nathaniel asked. And there's two things kind of going on here. There's the obvious, and there's the not so obvious. Let's deal with the obvious first. Nathaniel is putting down where Jesus came from. There wasn't that big of a difference between the, the, the two towns. It's almost kind of like, you know, Cobb County and Paulding County, not much of a big difference. I know folks on both sides would say, oh, yes, there he is, Mina. Um, so here Nathaniel is going, I, I don't really know about this. I mean, he's really, he's really being very 
rude, discriminatory of Jesus' hometown. And Jesus basically says here, man, here comes an honest man. Let me kind of go, let me just be honest. Jesus loves our honesty. He despises cover-ups. And he goes on to basically tell Nathaniel, thanks for being honest. Now, here's the not so obvious on this one. We are still asking Jesus, can anything good come from, maybe not a certain town, but, but we are asking him, can anything good come from the loss of my job? Can anything good come from my husband or wife who, is, who has walked away from me? Can anything good come from the son or daughter that's, that's gone completely wayward? Can anything good come from this? And Jesus basically saying, hey, listen, bring it to me. And the answer is yes, because all things work together for your good. And this morning, yeah, and this morning, Jesus is okay with our questioning. Can anything good come from, and you fill in the blank. What's really interesting here, he says these words in verse 46, come and see. You see, the one word here, the come word here, very interesting. You and I, in fact, you're in the room, if you're in the room this morning, man, we all get an A on this one because we've been bold enough to say, we actually do want to see what God's doing. But the next one is always hard, the seeing piece. And God, can we really trust you to actually see what you have for us? I'm here to beg you during this Christmas season, come and see. Come and see and fill in the blank to whatever question you have for him. And just trust him on it. Come and see that he is who he says that he is. Now, you know, I thought about Nathaniel a lot this past week. What if he would just would have said, I don't know, and would have totally walked away? Because many of us would have. He would have missed out on following the king of the universe and three great years of some of the most action-oriented stuff that you and I would both go, we would have loved to have been a part of that. He would have missed out on seeing Christ. When you and I are asking God, come, we're saying come and see we need to get in on the boat and go, I want to see God. I don't know how you're going to, how it's all going to work out, but I'm going to trust you. Um, this past, in fact, Michael Hyatt says this, gratitude does more than make us feel good. It helps us become more resilient. When you and I say thank you, it moves us to a place of, of, of really a dependency on Christ and feeling very resilient for what he has in store for us. Some of you are in the middle of some junk that you would say, might have no clue how we're going to find our way out of this. Come and see. Come and see. Um, this past week, I was in Israel, and I got detained for two hours, by the way. I don't know why. And so I was just sitting there just, just going, you know, man, I really came to see a guy that I met this past August at a conference who had basically begged me to come. And I told him I was going to be in Turkey. He goes, man, that is like right next door. And it really is. And I remember getting there going, God, what do you really want me to see here? You know? And um, the church planner that I got the privilege of being around, he started this church a, a few years ago. It's now around 300 people. It's just taken off like crazy for, for a town like that and for a country like that. And he was just so positive about what God had been doing. And I thought, man, I go, and I said to him, it was the last few hours that he and I had together, I go, man, God's just doing a lot of great things here. It's really, it's pretty cool. I go, any opposition at all? I said something like that's kind of what I said. He goes, well, 
you know, I, I really didn't want to tell you this because I really kind of enjoyed what God's been putting us through. I said, well, do tell. He goes, well, you know, Mina, have you ever had anybody protest your church? Like, I don't know. He goes, well, this past few weeks ago, we had three to 400 rabbis protest our church. He showed me his pictures. And I said, wow. He goes, he goes, yeah, they don't like evangelical churches here. He goes, mine, in fact, it is 0.01% of evangelical Christians who live here. I go, I, 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 didn't, I had no clue of that. In fact, it's worse than Turkey, where it's 0.02% there. He goes, mine, the people that we have in our church, they're probably that 0.01%. He goes, you had anybody despise your, your wife so? They would put up posters of you all throughout town. I don't know. I haven't. And um, there's, there's the poster there. It was basically, this poster basically says is this, want it. And it gives their phone number, their address. It puts everything on the line, even his wife. And as I was getting ready to get to go back to the airport, I just, I said, man, I really don't want to leave you here. I said, man, I, I said, I just kind of came over to kind of take a look and investigate. I go, unfortunately, we have nothing to offer right now. I have no leader for this country. I have no resources. He goes, you know, Monica, can I just be really honest with you? He goes, I'm glad you came. He goes, you get back on the plane knowing this, that God has been and is more than enough. And, um, and I, I hadn't listened to Brian's sermon just yet at that time. He goes, Mina, um, and I didn't tell this is the first service. He goes, Mina, I just got an answer. I really feel more sorry for you. I go, explain. He goes, well, you know, Mina, in America, I've been there. He goes, you kind of have all the luxuries of people and resources and stuff. He goes, you know, Mina, here, Jesus is all we have. And as I got ready to get back to the airport, he said, do you mind praying for me, Yeshua Jesus? I said, will you pray? I know what that means. I go, yeah. He goes, Mina, Jesus is more than enough. He goes, if you haven't gotten there yet in your personal time with him, I pray that you get there. For some of you here this morning, is he more than enough? Like, is, he, is, he, is it really, I mean, when it all comes down to it, are you trying to fill in other stuff for things that only he can fill? He is more than enough. And this morning, if you don't know him, my prayer is this, is that at our help center, there are people standing there who want to just walk you through what that looks like. Jesus is more than enough. Come and see. He's more than enough. With every head bowed, every eye closed, please, and I'm done for the morning. I just got to ask you just, just one question. I just want to just pray for you here. And in a room this size, you may, you may be struggling with that. You may be struggling with, man, is he more than enough? And this morning, once again, if you're kind of wondering what does that relationship look like, 
I'll be down here. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be down here up front, and I know Rodney will be down here as well, and we'd be glad to talk to you what that looks like. Do not walk out of this room if you have not confirmed that. At our help center, they'll be glad to talk to you about it too. Is he more than enough? And if you're a believer here, I just want to just ask you one question. If you're struggling with that, there's no condemnation here. We're not going to, like, make fun of you. I mean, we're all on the journey in a different ways here. But if you would say, you know, man, I just really need prayer this week and just realizing and confirming that he is more than enough. Will you just raise your hand so I can just, just pray for you? Raise it high this morning. Anybody else? I want you to walk out of this room and, and not doing that. Raise it high so I can... Just pray for his He is more than enough. Yeshua, Jesus, knows how to come through on time. God, I thank you that you're more than enough, even in troubling times like this, even when the job has been canceled, even when the marriage is over, even when the kids have gone wayward, even when the finances don't seem to add up. Even when there are family members in the room here, parents who are wondering how they're going to even provide Christmas. God, I pray this season of hope that they will come to realize you are more than enough. God, I pray they'll walk out of here boldly. That when they are awakened in the middle of the night, they will hit the floor and realize you're more than enough. God, I pray as we go into our Lord's Supper time here that we'll be bold and knowing that you have and that you are who you say you are, and that we can just come and see. And God, I pray for the person who's thinking about beginning their journey with you this morning, that they won't let pride stop them from heading to the help center or talking to one of us down front here. You are more than enough, and we want to come and see during, during this season. And in Jesus' name, amen.